Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. This is WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM, live right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is March 28th, I think so, and it's 7 p.m., so if you're not listening at that date and time, then it's a rerun or a podcast or whatever. Um, it, however, this is live uh, tonight, and we've got a radio show phone number that you can call in, 865-333-5937. 865-333-5937, and you can call in. The lines will be open here in a second. Uh, first, we want to introduce our guest, uh, Josh Eckel. Hey. Say hi to the folks. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, happy to have you, and thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> Just two weeks ago. I'm glad yeah, you returned yeah. the favor. It was, was kind of cool. It was your, cool. Your facilities are a little more posh, <laughs> I think, than mine. No joke. Yeah, but... This is this is almost pirate radio. We are licensed by the FCC, but you wouldn't know from looking around. Yeah, no joke. This this place, though, the birdhouse out yeah, here yeah. is just absolutely gorgeous. I didn't yeah, even know this yeah. place existed. Yeah, it's a community center, and we rent room here, basically one room. Yeah. And we've turned it into a radio station, so it's working for us. Love it, man. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a call-in talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you've got the feeling that you're the only non-believer in Knoxville, well, you're just not. There are several atheist, free-thinking, and rationalist groups, groups that exist here in Knoxville, and I'll tell you how you can connect with them right after the mid-show break. Matter of fact, I may get to it a little early this time since since, uh, Ty is going to be joining us at the break. Also, did you know that there was an atheist call-in television show broadcasting right here in Knoxville and has been for almost eight years now? Um, Usually I ask Wombat if he's heard it and he always goes off on some tangent. But that's uh, that's also, as a matter of fact, that show is going on right now. It's Wednesday from 6.30 to 7.30 on Comcast Channel 12. So if you, if you're uh, not, what is it, when you multi, multi-channel? Yeah, yeah, if you could do <laughs> yeah, two yeah, things yeah, at once, yeah, if you can multitask, yeah, turn multitask, on your TV and watch right. the, listen yeah. to the radio here. Then you can turn it on <laughs> now and see, uh, the Atheist Society of Knoxville and the Rationalists of East Tennessee putting on a TV show on Comcast Channel 12 right now. And anyway, be sure to tune in whenever you can. You can also go to, um, YouTube and watch their shows there. We have about seven years of archives on YouTube that one of our fans has been uh, recording and putting on YouTube, just go to YouTube and look for Free Thought Forum Knoxville, 
and uh, you'll have years of viewing there in front of you. It's like the local atheist experience. Show. It is. It's basically it really what it's is. like. I love it. Yeah. And in spite of what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs out there, and you'll be hearing them right here on this program and generally on this station as they are in rotation. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about your show or what, what happened sure, on your show? Sure, sure, yeah. So my background, I'm, I'm marketing. I work in marketing, corporate marketing. Uh, I actually, believe it or not, until about two weeks ago, we had a radio show on 92.3 FM called Speaking Freely. And uh, we did that for probably almost a year. I think it was about six months, six, seven months. And uh, it was a show kind of based around... Uh, you know, again, similar to this, free, free, free thought, you know, kind of challenging the duopoly on both sides, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more, I consider myself a libertarian, so I find myself agreeing half the time with Democrats and half the time with Republicans. Uh-huh. And when I was listening to radio, I didn't really hear that represented on the airwaves. I heard a lot of boilerplate conservative garbage, and yeah. I heard a lot of leftist craziness. Yeah. So we, uh, we were approached by a good friend of ours about potentially starting that show. We did that for a good six, seven months, got to meet a lot of awesome people, yourself included. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it, it was it was just a great experience. We actually – they replaced us with a nationally syndicated show about two weeks ago, but we're carrying that on uh, digitally. So you can find our website, speakingfreely.live, and you can uh, listen to our podcast there. We do a, a live uh, – like a video show on mm-hmm. Facebook. Uh, we're we're going to be starting to do that once a week. So. Okay. When do you think that might start? So our plan – I was actually talking to our co-host today. We're, we're going to probably target about two weeks out. And uh, probably about, I think we're th- we're so actually thinking about doing it Wednesday night as well. Round time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but we've got the studio built, and we've done a couple mock shows. You can actually find those just by going um, either to Speaking Freely, or you can look up the Recuro Initiative, which is our parent site. Recurring what? The Recuro Initiative. Oh, okay. It stands for Restoring Constitutional Understanding of Republicanism and Originalism. Mm-hmm. Again, it's kind of a, a, a website that I started around the idea of challenging the groupthink of the duopoly in the state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about local politics, yeah. national politics, all that. When I opened this program tonight, I said uh, if you feel like you're the only free thinker in, in East Tennessee or Knoxville, the Bible Belt for that matter, uh, you're not. But uh, a conservative radio uh, yeah. station would would have been kind of a dry area, uh, you know, a desert. Yeah. How did you uh, How did you deal there? So you know, we for the first couple of months, I'll be honest with you, Larry, we had a lot of callers that were just not. Not happy, not not used to our message. And we we actually, we had several people call in and it really made an impact on me because we had some people say, hey, you guys are really standing up for free thought and politics. Because when I look at the old parties, I really look at them as a way to get people into a box. And and they, Mm -hmm. a lot of the times they look at, they look at it in such a a negative way that, you know, the Republicans are always trying to shut down the Democrats and the Democrats are always trying to shut down the Republicans. And half the time they're right. I mean, Mm -hmm. half the time the other side is right. Uh And I, I don't like that. I wish that people would look at it from an un, you know an unbiased perspective, look at the issues for what they are, and try to work together with their fellow men. And make up their own mind yeah. without going into it with all kinds of preconceived notions that may have been planted there by popular TV or radio right. shows. And half the time you talk to people that are extreme partisans, and they're not even convicted in their own views. They mm-hmm. have those views because it's the views of the group. And I think that's a lot of the things. Partisanship is really kind of destroying our country right now. Right. We need to come I, I agree. It's, it's very divided right now. I've never seen it so divided. And I lived through the 60s. I believe. So, I mean, that was pretty divided, but it's it's pretty bad right now. No joke. 
Um, before we get into this other topic, uh, I have I have gone over many times my deconversion process, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing yours. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd uh, love were to. you raised in a religious family? Yeah, I was raised in a very religious family. My father, growing up, was a pastor in a Pentecostal, very charismatic. That might do it right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it was it was a very interesting experience. I got to grow up, and I, I uh, you know, the one thing I love about my parents is they take their convictions seriously. So they weren't just taking me to church because it was the you know the the thing. That everyone did. They did it because they were convicted in their views. Mm-hmm. And as such, I got really in depth with understanding the Bible, understanding religious theology, and mm-hmm. really understanding the roots and as the, much as one can. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, in high school, I took several years of apologetics, which, as you can imagine, wow. it was all about arguing yeah. and trying to convert atheists sure. and agnostics. Did you have a lot of dry runs or a lot of debates where you were like in a situation where you would be? Pretty much trying to defend your position against an atheist or against free thought? A lot of the time, it's funny, it was a lot of the time, it was a lot of Christians arguing, trying to play devil's advocate. It was very, mm-hmm. not very common that I get up against somebody who right. was actually very well thought, um, non-religious or atheist person. And I didn't really get into that community very much until I deconverted because mm-hmm. I was, and in a lot of ways, I pissed off a lot of people, uh, in those communities because I was asking some tough questions mm-hmm. for my own edification, yeah, right? That, that'll do it. Yeah. And it was it was me. Uh, you know, there were a lot of the times that again, it was a lot of arguing with Christians. But uh, my deconversion process, I was raised as uh, believing in, in in young Earth creationism, wow. and I, I was homeschooled from from K through twelve. Yeah. So I was taught believing the Earth was six thousand years old, that the Bible was a literal word of God. Butler, uh, what was his name, Reverend Butler or something? Right. Yeah. 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 So so I don't remember the actual uh, curriculum that was used in this uh-huh. specific. But there, were, I mean, even the science books, Larry, they were um, they were written in such a way. That it, it jives support the Bible exactly, yeah. and so for me, the first step of really getting out of that was um, learning about evolution when I went to college, and really getting on the internet helped that a lot. Just going and researching sure. it for myself. In a lot of ways, it was me trying to disprove it, and I found that it was disproving me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that the reasons, I mean, the things that you give didn't have much basis as compared to the things that they were rebutting it with. Right. You would, you would have some very good basis, a very good evidence for the rebuttal. Right. And, and before long, you just didn't have many legs to stand on. I, I'm talking from personal experience. Understood. Because I, I went through that pretty much my first year at college, and that was after I was in the Navy for four years. I was 22 when I went to college. Yeah. And I happened to meet this 17-year-old uh, atheist. <laughs> really? Yeah. And uh, we really hit it off, and we ended up getting married. <laughs> Understood. So we, were, we were together for 17 years, but she was a sweetheart. And uh, she was the daughter of a of a minister, a Baptist minister. Okay, so similar background. And, no, but she knew, like you did, you know, the Bible pretty much front and back, and she knew all the arguments and stuff. But she also knew the rebuttals. She also knew the counter-apologetics. Sure. And... Uh, it didn't take her long to school me on them. No, it really didn't. And a lot of the things that I felt like were really great arguments, um, especially for the arc. I mean, for God's sakes, like, looking back, I just go, this is crazy. Right. Stuff that I thought was solid, logical arguments for the young earth. Yeah. You, once I got into the world and realized, gosh, these are just so easily destroyed. In a matter yeah. of minutes, you mm-hmm. could you could take apart that entire argument. Right. And and if, and if you want to talk to a couple of atheists about the very things that we're discussing, you can call in Knoxville, 865-333-5937. Uh, that's 333-5937. Lines are open. We'd be more than happy to talk to you about it. Awesome. Anyway, yeah. so 
So it was that it was, that was my trigger. So it was it was learning about evolution, and then kind of the other things started falling apart. I mean, I relied on Pascal's wager for several years after I started to uh, have uh, shakiness yeah. in my faith. I you know I thought well you know even if this doesn't make rational sense to me, uh, you know as as long as yeah. I can go to heaven maybe mm-hmm. you know. But Fi- then, the fire insurance argument exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but then when you really start looking into Pascal's wager, which I did, you realize that it doesn't solve for other gods. Mm-hmm. I mean, it assumes that it. Christianity is either only yeah, correct or right. false, but it doesn't oh, well, fit every, other religion. Every society out there who has a religion can use Pascal's wager to basically um, browbeat the per- people for their God. Right. You know, because it, all it does is just say God. It doesn't say which God. Right. So whatever, whatever situation you're in, you say, hey, you know, you better believe in Allah because if you don't, you'll go to hell. Right. Or you better believe in Odin or whatever the God is. It's like the, the God on our money mm-hmm. and God we trust. Every different religion thinks it's their God. Sure. But, uh, you know, when you start looking at it, they all have different ones, or at least different interpretations of them in different sects and religions. Right, but. right. And so that, that was the thing for me. It was realizing, well, Pascal's wager doesn't hold up to the idea of other gods. Right. And, you know, I can't continue to rely on this to believe in something that gives me comfort. I need to step into the, in, in, into the darkness, so to speak, into the, you know, mental, the ideological darkness and look we for We think of it as light. Right, exactly. <laughs> I say it's darkness. It's, uh, it's just it's it's unsettling for yeah, somebody who's is. grown it's, up it's in scary. this. It really is. Think, because one of the things is that just doubting in your own mind is a sin to a lot of religions yes, and a lot is. of religious mm-hmm. sects. So just the, forming the questions in your mind is is a problem. And, and some people think of it as a ticket to hell, so they don't dare go there. Right. Even if they hear a good argument against their uh, apologetic, they can't they can't consider it fully because. They're not free thinking. And They're I'm, not thinking freely. Yes, and I'm glad I never w- really held that belief. I never was taught that belief, um, and so I, I did get to avoid that. But but really, I mean, it was for me. It was just about. Uh, Going into some, it, it was as I said, it was a very uncomfortable. It was a very uncomfortable process. Yeah. But once I did it, it was I started to make sense of the world, and it, it kind of started to work for me. Yeah. How long ago was that? That was about six years ago. Mm-hmm. It was about six years ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, for our topic tonight, uh, we were going to get to is. Um, a lot of believers think that when they talk to atheists, you know, they immediately get mad and that a- atheists are angry. Matter of fact, there's a phrase on out, out there, you know, angry atheists. Right. And we'd like to address that tonight. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, we're not angry. I mean, with each other, you ought to see us at like a Tuesday night meetup. <laughs> you know, we're talking about baseball or football or uh, politics or anything other than religion. We may even talk about religion, but generally when we do, we're still agreeing with each other. and We're having a good time, and uh, sometimes something will come up that will make us angry. Uh, one of the things that, that would... Well, Greta Christina made a, a, a blog a little while ago, and she awesome. said, "She says fifty reasons why atheists are angry and have every right to be so." And we're going to go over some of those reasons in the next fifteen or, or so minutes. Uh, can you imagine any reason why uh, atheists have the right to be angry? It's the same reason why Democrats are angry about what's going on right now in, in the government because they have conviction. It's the same reason as Republicans. Yeah. They, they, they see something going on wrong and they believe right. it needs to change. Right? right, right. But they also don't. They also believe that the underlying reasons that things are going wrong is false, and that's a big problem. Understood. But one of the things is that, I mean, let's say you're seven year eight, seven or eight years old, and your parents just told you that there's no Santa Claus. 
Well, you might be a little angry that they lied to you for the last five years. Sure. You know, yeah. you know, why did you tell me that? You know, the initial anger of finding out that what you believed all this time uh, was false, one, but two, is promulgated to you by people that you trust, uh, people all the way from your parents to uh, your school supervisor and your teachers, your, your police on the corner, the radio show, TV shows. Everybody seems to be religious, and they're all see, uh, seems to be sending you the same message. And now you find out that it's not right; it's false. Uh, but you also have to realize that they are taken in as much as you were taken in. Sure, they just yeah. haven't reached the point where they found out that it's a problem that it that it's false. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I thought that this art, this blog post was great because it really did outline a lot of the stuff that's based on these falsehoods, and that that is just it's controlling society and culture, right. and and mm. in negative ways yeah. in a lot of times. And uh, one of the my main reasons, like I said, they're they're Greta Christian Tina says there are 50 reasons, uh, but then that was in her blog. Mm-hmm. But if you turn around, she actually put out a book later based on the blog and, and called it 99 Reasons. So there, Got it. she added quite a few more reasons. But one of the main reasons that's always made me really mad is the fact that innocent children are being foisted this stuff on them, uh, and they have no choice about it. Right. Uh, parents don't wait for them to reach an age where they can <laughs> critically consider you know, the arguments and the positions that are being put in front of them. And the, the church leaders are certainly not going to wait. Yeah. Uh, the well, establishment, the uh, you know, they're going to feed them, feed them this line from their earliest childhood. That's how have, religion works. Right. Yeah. That's how it works. And, and a lot of people say, well, how did Christianity get to be the biggest religion in the world? Just this way. Mm-hmm. You know, parents teaching it to their children before they can ever have a uh, half of chance to be able to figure their just, way through just it. Just imagine a three-year-old on trying to be introduced to the concept of hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and might, that their friends are going to hell because they're not the same religion. Sure, I, yeah. I had. I mean, I had a lot of situations growing up in which, again, I, I was very believed these very strong, mm-hmm. extreme conviction, and it caused me to feel guilty. It caused me to feel depressed. It caused mm-hmm. me, and I'm right. you know, I was a child, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's not some. That's not something any child should have to go through. Right. Um, well, not only that, but I, I put a. a um, I put out several uh, YouTube videos. Some of them are animated, you know, using Go Animate and stuff, and they're yeah. not the greatest quality, but they do put some good points out. And one of the ones I like to put out is that the these the children are 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 being implanted with these hooks of religion: the hook of hell, the hook of a soul that's doomed, uh, a hook of. Uh, a lot of the times it'll be yeah. positive hooks too. I mean, yeah. I remember when I was a, about five or six years old in church, and they mm-hmm. said, "If you if you accept Christ, you'll get the biggest crown in the world mm-hmm. when you go to heaven. Right. You'll it's get all the stuff you ever wanted." It's a carrot and stick. Yeah, exactly. But the thing about it is, these people can, religious people and leaders and and uh, politicians can use those hooks to manipulate that child mm-hmm. and or the adult that they grow up into an adult and still have those hooks in them and they don't even realize they're being manipulated because they think that the hooks represent truth sure even though they don't sure and mm. this is my opinion on it you know it, it, the bible says that god made man in his own image mm-hmm. right? right i believe that if that is in fact true and you believe that with conviction then you should understand that your rational brain your ability to think logically is a gift from god Mm-hmm. Right. It really. If, if God does exist and He yeah. created, and He would want you to use it. Exactly. It would be. You know, God would 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 want you to go down your logical and rational mm-hmm. mind to utilize it to its full extent to understand your yeah. world. I think that that's not yeah. a contra. You know, conf- it, it doesn't conflict mm-hmm. with religious theology. Yeah. Uh, there are several people in the history of the United States who who really echo your sentiment. Uh, one of them was uh, Thomas Paine. 
and his age of reason. Mm-hmm. If you've had a chance to read that, it, he goes through the the Old Testament and the New, and just really rips it to shreds. Uh, there's uh, the Thomas, Thomas Jefferson throughout the Old Testament and took scissors to the New Testament. He wrote his own Bible and, <laughs> and cut out all the miracles. Yeah, he did. And he, what was left was very thin. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could look it up online as the Jeffersonian Bible. And it's it's just you know very few pages long. And okay, so going back to that, in the 18th mm-hmm. century when our country was founded, you know, there, the idea of atheism wasn't really a common idea. A lot of the people that founded the country were deists. Right. They were people that mm-hmm. believed in this God that was not involved in mm-hmm. the world. Um, they could be arguably atheists today with the scientific right. understanding. Right. That we because have. The, this was before uh, Darwin came along and, and explained how humans could be so much different from the animals. Sure. You know, f- through natural processes. Right. And that's that's what thing that bugs me the most is you know when I hear that this is a Christian country and we were founded in Christian values in a lot of ways that the, the founders were they were they may have believed in a God but it wasn't a Christian God it mm-hmm. was a it was a, it was t- completely well, separate yeah. from that well, we're talking about the, the men of the Constitution the men who were putting together the new government most most a lot of them were um, Deists. Yeah, a lot of them were Christian for sure, but and but they happened to come from a Christian society, and I think that's what a lot of people mean when they say America was founded on Christian values. I'm not so sure about that because if you really took the the different churches at the time, you know, they would all have told you that they had different values from that other church over there, and you know, it's it's just something that is a, takes a personal perspective of it. It was not a united Christian front at the time. Matter of fact, the wall of separation between church and state was not mandated by the government so much as it was mandated by the churches of the time because they didn't want one church to get in and Understood. the government re- represent that church because then they knew that they would be outlawed if it wasn't their church. Right, right. So they all stood up and said, we don't need a church in the government. And nowadays that message is just lost. It, it's sad. It really yeah. is because, I mean, the idea that we're founded on the values of the Enlightenment, that mm-hmm. should still hold right. true today. I mean, mm-hmm. that is the foundation of our country. And the values yeah. of the Enlightenment weren't religious dogma. It wasn't no. the theology mm-hmm. guiding your thoughts. It was Scientific using, progression. Exactly. It yeah. was using your rational mind to understand mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. and to make decisions. And I've, as you said, I feel like that value has been lost. And I think right. people need to really understand yeah. where we came from. Yeah. Everybody wants their church in, and they don't understand the problem that would happen if another church got in left i mean if you if you push your congressman to give religious liberty to everybody in the country it's not going to be long before like the the muslims are going to say you know we want to teach our prayer in school right and they won't have a leg to stand you won't have a leg to stand on because you have been pushing for that all along sure and you know that's it that's a really good point i mean there are communities in the united states where there is a muslim either a majority or there's a there's Mm -hmm. a growing muslim majority and what I say to conservatives when I talk to them about that is they say, listen, I mean, take your ideas and, and scale them up. If you're talking about making your religion endorsed by the state, what happens if it's somebody else's right. religion? That's what you need right. to think about because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's the situation we're in. It's easy for us to understand that because we're mm-hmm. the minority. Yeah. But people that are Christians, they don't really see the world mm-hmm. that way. And well, there's a whole state, or at least one anyway, who would pretty much be uh, non 
Christian, as it were, who's already got control of the government, and that's Utah. You know, yeah. you've got Mormons in pretty much every level of government there, and I don't know how much they teach it in school, but right. I'm sure they do. And there are cults, you know, Mormon cults out there that practice polygamy and, and just all kinds of things, which is another thing that makes me oh, mad. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the Mormonism, yeah. the Mormon church didn't renounce. Um, there was a piece of theology in the Mormon doctrine that mm-hmm. said that um, African Americans were were uh, a lesser soul so to speak right that was mm-hmm. renounced that, was, right. that wasn't renounced until the 60s right. and that was mm-hmm. renounced by some document put down by the the leader of the church right. at the time and they didn't allow blacks you'd think that god either. would have the foresight mm-hmm. to understand that that's wrong before the civil rights movement like as if it took the civil rights movement for the church to get it or for god to step in and yeah, say and, something and the thing about it is nowadays if you mention that all the church leaders will say yeah but at martin luther king you know he was a uh, he was a preacher. It was the church that led this this, right. uh, this charge, but it wasn't necessarily the church. There were just as many churches that were against it as there were for Almost it. Almost definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was just the time sure. that, that came that needed to be done. One of the we got a list of things. I've got about twenty eight of them. There's so many good ones. There's it. no way though, but they're great. But we were talking about Mormons. This is I'm really angry as an atheist that in polygamous Mormon cults, underage girls are raised from birth to believe that they will burn in hell if they don't marry whatever adult man that they are told to marry by their preacher, and in some cases as young as thirteen. We've all seen it's news, true. Look we've it all up. seen yep. news, news articles about these polygamous cults in, in Utah, Mormon cults, where this is actually happening. Tragic, yeah. And if you think about the the level of education of the children in those cults, they don't get any education. Mm-hmm. They get they get taught church doctrine, and that's it. Right. And so many of the uh, and they're they're restricted from going on the internet or right. using. I mean, right. again, for me, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the tool of the they're internet, they're in a Mormon bubble. Right. If yeah. it wasn't for the tool of the internet, I would still be spouting those values mm-hmm. uh, because I wouldn't have the right. ability to learn for myself. Yeah. So. There's a, a saying in, in atheist circles nowadays that says. Uh, uh, the internet is where religions go to die. It's really because sad. you will actually get out of your religious bubble and talk to people who aren't in that bubble right. and give you good reasons not to believe. I what think you Larry, believe. I think that that's a big reason why we see the non-religious and the agnostics and atheists increasing. I mean, you look at the internet coming in the you know the advent of the internet in the nineties, and you can see a direct trend from then to now mm-hmm. in which a people that are associating less and less with right. religion. Right. And I think it's because of access to all humanity's knowledge. I mean, mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, and. And the only problem with that is there's so much disinformation out there mixed in with the information. But as we grow smarter and get learn free thought and be able to uh, learn rational practices for thinking, those will will not stand up anymore. Right, and that's yeah. why I think it needs to be a cultural value because if parents are teaching their children to be rational, to mm-hmm. criticize, when I say criticize, I mean really critically try to challenge every belief system mm-hmm. that's thrown at you. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing because if if children are raised to to understand how to determine false from true. That's one of the most right. important values right. you can pass Don't teach on. them what to think. Tell, teach them how to think. Exactly. Right. And you were saying that one of the reasons, if not the main reason, that you came from believing to non-belief is that you'd studied the Bible and mm-hmm. you studied it in depth. I've read it and four you, or five times. And old, you yeah. talked to people about it and... And you came to the realization that it was not supportable. Yeah, there are, there are, in fact, and you know, Christians will argue with this with you all the time, but there are, in fact, contradictions in the Bible. Um, if oh you, yeah. Uh, yeah. What is it between Luke and uh, I think 
be either Luke and Matthew. I can pull this verse up when we get to a break. But, um, for example, the Judas story. Just read through the, mm-hmm. the first four right. books of How the Bible. How did he die? Right. You know, there's a contradiction. Two exactly. Yeah. So you can't come out, and, you know, again, I'm okay with you making the, va- the argument that, hey, it's written by men, maybe it's, you know, inspired by God, but... The idea is that the Bible is infallible. If the Bible's infallible, then we have contradictions. Those uh-huh. are you can't make that work. Right. You can't make that work. Like uh, um, Dan Barker from the Freedom from Religion Foundation put out a book, and it contained about half the book was just references to to contradictions in the Bible. But one of the ones he really likes to come down on is the fact that there are four different stories about the opening of the tomb. Mm-hmm. You know, who showed up? Yep. Who did the angels speak to? They can't to? all be right. You know, they, well, they're all wrong. I mean, they're all <laughs> contradictory. How can they be all right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's been attempts to try to reconcile them all, but there's still, I mean, there can't be more than one first person in the tomb. Yes. You know, and, and that type of thing. It's just... And when you say, when you come to the point where you say there are no contradictions in the Bible, you have to know that that's a dishonesty nowadays. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you know the Bible at all, you've got to know that. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, literally, just go to Google, search mm-hmm. up biblical contradictions. Right. And one of the first things that will pop up is there's this graph that was made, I don't know by who, but it goes and it tracks every single biblical contradiction uh-huh. in the Bible. And you can go read through yeah. every single one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, the two facts that both cannot be true. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I, th- I thought another one of these good ones was uh, specifically about... About the why you were angry? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so going back to this blog post about creationism. So, you know, I'm, I was grown, grown up believing in creationism, and you really, when you think about it, the misinformation in people's minds, especially as it pertains to science, has a yeah. real impact on society. Oh, yeah. If you believe yeah. that the Earth's going to end in a thousand years, I mean, what's, <clears throat> what? how are you going to be a good steward of that Earth if your priority is about or getting out? Or if it's going to end next week. Yeah. I mean, most Christians think that Jesus is going to return any day. Minute, mm-hmm. any day. Uh, matter of fact, uh, one of the first things uh, Greta Christina has a, a video. If you if you search uh, Greta Christina angry atheist on YouTube, yeah. one of the first things that'll pop up yeah. is a video of her giving a forty five minute talk based on her book. And one of the first things she says is kind of funny. She says, "I'm angry about what happened to Galileo." Yeah, yeah, no joke. <laughs> and that, that is a perfect example of of religion stepping in and trying to stifle scientific progress. The man who, before his time, yeah. was killed for his beliefs. Right. Yeah. And you know when the Catholic Church finally apologized for that? When was it? I, I remember. 1992. It took him that long. Five, over 500 <laughs> years before they would admit that they oh, were wrong. That's rough. And we're at the bottom of the hour, and we really need to take a break here and, and uh, do a station identification. This is WOZO Radio 103.9 LP, live right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I'm going to play a song, if I can find one real quick. Um, there's one by Aretha Franklin. Uh, she's singing about the Bible, and it's called, It Ain't Necessarily So. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. Oh, 
865-333-5937. That's 865-333-5937. And now, back to the show. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best. And we're back. This is Digital Free Thought Radio Hour, live on WOZO Radio, 103.9 LPFM, live in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, today is uh, March 28th, 2018. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about some of the atheist groups here in Knoxville if you're interested in meeting more free thinkers. First, there's the Atheist Society of Knoxville. I founded that in 2002, and we're in our 16th year now. ASK has over 800 members, and you can find us online at knoxvilleatheist.org, or you can go directly to meetup.com and search for Knoxville Atheists. It's just that simple. And if you don't live in Knoxville, you should still go to Meetup and search for an atheist group in your town. Don't find one? Start one. Also, you can join ASK in person at our weekly Meetup that happens every Tuesday evening around happy hour. Uh, We meet at Black Horse Pub, which is in Bearden area on Kingston Pike. It's from about 5.30 to 7.30 or so, maybe 8 o'clock. And everybody is welcome as long as you don't come to preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch. Thank you, Atheist Experience. And another large free-thinking group here in Knoxville are the Rationalists of East Tennessee. They've been around for more than 20 years. 
RET is a bi-weekly present, or has bi-weekly presentations and discussions at the Pellissippi State Campus near Hardin Valley Road. They meet the first and third Sundays on the Goins Administration Building. Uh, you'll have to go to their website at rationalist.org to find more information. Just click on Upcoming Events. There's also a church-type setting for non-believers, believe that. It's called the Sunday Assembly, and it started in England just a couple of years ago, and it's spread around the world. It's a no-God church setting for those who no longer believe in God, but still like the fellowship of a church-type gathering. They only meet once a month, however, and that's on the fourth Sunday. Um, and they meet down at the International Building on the fairgrounds. Uh, church time, 10.30 or so on Sunday. Then there's the uh, Secular Student Alliance, which has programs to give camaraderie and community to any free-thinking high school or college students who would like to be involved in the free thought movement, or would just like to find other free thinkers to hang with. Everybody needs like-minded friends, and atheists are no different. Earlier in the show, we said we'd talk about the Atheist Call-In TV show, it's called Free Thought Forum, and you can see it every Tuesday. Actually, no, they changed that. It's every Wednesday between 6.30 and 7.30, Comcast Channel 12 or Charter Channel 192. You can watch it streaming online at ctvnox.org. Uh, you can also find archives of their shows on YouTube where a fan has been posting them. Just go to YouTube and search for three words, Free Thought Forum, Knoxville. Also, if you're interested in becoming involved in the TV or radio show, just come to an Ask Meetup or an RET meeting and talk to us about it. You can be our next co-host or guest. And we're back, and I think we've been joined by Ty now. Ty, are you there? I, I do know about the angry atheist thing. But yeah. I'm just having way much more fun time just listening to you guys talk about it. From my perspective, I think it just comes from frustration and a really bad reputation for people being frustrated which I think is part of the natural learning curve when, or the transition when you realize that you've been lied to for a long time. Sure. And there's an institutional set of lies that are dictating culture, and you're trying to wake people up, but they're more satisfied with a delicious lie than an uh, undelicious truth, if you want to put it that No way. joke, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I totally get it. And I'm, I say there's a path beyond that. For those who are stuck in that path, for atheists right now who do feel angry, who do feel legitimately frustrated, that too passes. And there's constructive outlets for you to do that. There's constructive communities that are willing to support you. And there's even really constructive activities they can try where you, like, speed epistemologies. Uh, I was going to bring that we, up. Yeah, Ty, we were just talking about <laughs> yeah. that before you got on the air. I set up a table. I got two chairs. Yeah. I have a sign that says, let's chat for five minutes. People come to me and I say, hey, I, I want to talk about something that really means something a lot or means something to you, something you believe in, something that motivates you. And typically they'll bring up the God question. And there's a way to have that conversation without turning into an argument, without turning into a debate, without making any party defenses, where you can productively allow them the useful, crucial chance to critically assess what they believe and leave that conversation with some pebbles in their shoes, something where they're thinking, maybe I don't I like have that. the best reason. <laughs> I love that. And as a result, man, I, I, so like I said, I just started my channel. I just started my Twitter uh, feed. Uh, the people who do this already all around the world who have a Facebook group, Street Epistemology at Facebook, uh, have been really kind and supporting me. Uh, I, I feel like it's the exact kind of motivation that I need to go out there and try to make uh, this positive change in just my own little way. 
But you don't need a table. You don't need a microphone. You don't need cameras to do this. You could just set up the conversation in a casual way. Just say, hey, you know, I, I, I'd like to learn more about this. And not so much about the conclusion, but really about the method that you use to come to that conclusion. Uh-huh. Can we talk about that methodology and see if that's reliable? And just the conversation. I find most of the time SC or Shiva epistemology is more about listening than it is about talking and trying to get to the root. Because oftentimes just hearing a person out, hearing a person try to, like, convey this understanding of, well, yeah, you know, there was a flood and, uh, well, I mean, I don't mean I don't take it literally, but, like, well, you know, it's, it, it, like, a lot of times just giving them the opportunity to express it out loud and even just repeating back the exact same yeah. thing. Have you, ever, you. have you ever sat down across from somebody who is a diehard, like, preacher of the gospel and, he, you know, he's a, pre- a preconditioned to uh, to assert that the Bible is true and there's no gray area at all? So I've had I've had street preachers come into my home and give me their spiel. I've recorded that, put it on YouTube. I've gone to churches with a clipboard and a microphone and interviewed some of the pastors there. Uh-huh. And I can tell you, from the, just the method of being able to talk to them and get to the foundation of the belief, not getting caught up on the details or the minutia of the belief or like the rules or morality, uh-huh. just going straight to the foundation of how did you determine this is true and is that method reliable? Like if you focus on that. Yeah. You well, I mean, um, a lot of times I just say it's revelation from God, you know, and how can you uh, even doubt that? I mean, what, that's one of right. the problems with thinking that you receive a revelation from God. There is no refusing it. There's no saying it's sure. wrong it's, when you, once you give it that cred. Right. So, Ty, yeah, do you... That's, do a, great, you, that's do you, a great conclusion. Do you, how did you come to that conclusion, and is that conclusion reliable? Right. Understood. I, I think that street epistemology is, is honestly our best way to uh, to try to bring our beliefs out there, because a lot of the people, as soon as you start talking about atheism, it's an immediate turnoff for them. They're not willing to have that discussion, whereas with street epistemology, it's just a discussion about how you came to the beliefs that you have. Um, do you do yeah. that in, in Knoxville, Ty? Are you based out of Knoxville, or are you in a different region, different area? So I live in Chatham. Wait, I live in Lexington right now. Like I said, it's a six day from time. But yeah, I've been living in Lexington. I've been trying this out in Lexington. I actually first tried it out in Knoxville as part of the Ask uh, Meetup group that mm-hmm. Larry started. And I would sit, I would go to those events at Barn Tap uh, or Barley and Tap. What's that place called? Barley's Tap Room Pizzeria. There you oh, go. Yeah. And I would there would be a long table of atheists. And there'll oftentimes be new people who come, and I was—I knew I was a new guy, but I would sit at the table, and there'd be enough people there where I could just strike up a random conversation with some people sitting there and just say, how did you become an atheist? What was the thing that made you realize that yeah, what that's you a common, already believed was wrong? Yeah, that's a common theme in our meetups, for especially new people. Yeah, like, what was the straw that switched it for you? And they'll say, well, you know, it's... It's just science fiction, man. You can't believe it. I'm like, well, really, how did you determine that? Like, how did you know that that wasn't real? And we would just walk it through. I wasn't antagonistically doing it. I wasn't trying to, like, feed them to a conclusion. I was just giving them a chance to, like, really express, like, the way that they came to the decision that the reasons that they had under a dogmatic system was not reliable and that they were better off just saying, I don't know, until they have conclusive evidence. Right. Like, the way how people reach that, which is, I feel like, the path that most atheists go through. It's so brilliant and 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 uh, an incredible story. And just getting that out is like a wonderful way to just like have both parties engage in like a really cool conversation of like why I don't know is a really useful thing. And then one of my friends who was there said, "You're doing street epistemology." I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And he showed me a YouTube clip, and then from there, I've just been dabbling with it until I came to Lexington 
and realized this is actually something I want to try out. You ever uh, heard of Anthony Montabasco, Ty? That's probably my favorite street epistemologist. Yeah, absolutely. He's on my, uh, he just texted me. He's at AACON right now. That's awesome. <laughs> He's doing pretty good. I, I've yeah, been trying yeah. to get him to come out to Knoxville and give us a, you know, do some sort of sit down uh, for a while. So that's pretty awesome. Shoot, he's a he's a he's a dad, so he's take or stay at home dad, so he's got a lot of responsibilities. But he's definitely down for that, absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, where we're getting back, we brought in a whole long list of why atheists are angry. But uh, I've known you uh, Wombat for what a couple of years now, and yeah. you do not strike me as an angry atheist. I don't think you've got an angry bone in your body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's always in such a good nature. Uh, is there no, anything I, about about religion that really gets you going? Um, so, like I said, I work. I, my job is as a scientist. I work at uh, in Lexington. Uh, I do. I Your PhD really is in microbiology. Yeah. Is, is that right? Biochemistry. Biochemistry. Okay. Yeah, and um, we get new hires often, and typically the hires. Uh, are, you know, pretty reasonable people. They can do their jobs really well. But some of them operate on a level of cognitive dissonance that really mm-hmm. bothers me. By that I mean they 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 come to work and they're working with, you know, we work, well, I won't be too specific, but we work with um, very key scientific principles that are based on a very well-established understanding of how the world works. Yet, if you confront them on something, not necessarily confront them, but be like, Oh, man, girls with little dogs and purses, right? Like, why put little dogs and purses? Those things used to be wolves like a million years ago. They'll be like, yeah, ha, 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 ha. I don't believe in that, though. Well, you, well, the universe is only 6,000 years old. And you're like, whoa, what? You well, and Ty, and Ty, have you heard the... Have you, I don't know what's going on. Have you heard the entire Ken Ham argument of that they believe in microevolution but not macroevolution? So that when when all the animals got off the ark, they were you only had one proto dog, and that proto dog turned into all the breeds of dogs within well, what a couple thousand oh, yeah. years. Yeah, right. It's like they they believe in a part of it, but they're not willing to believe in the entire thing. You yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, yep. Speciation. They don't believe that evolution can cause speciation. Right. All of the uh, species went on the the ark and came off the ark, and they haven't really speciated since then. So, I mean, you... well, first off, how do you fit that many? What is it? Millions of animals on the ark and give them food for millions a year? Millions of species. Yeah, so it has just, to be two million animals. Yeah, exactly. At least. You know? No joke. So I never was a young Earth creationist, but I was maybe my first year of grad, maybe my last year of undergrad. I was in a position where I did believe in a God. I did believe that, you know, the universe was created. I did believe in intelligent design. I did believe God was the how, if not necessarily the, or, I mean, God was the why, if uh-huh. not necessarily the how. Yeah. I, I had all those things going through my head. So I understand why that person believes that. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that I can tell you, you can tell me anything you want to an extent, but I know that it's mostly just personal experience, upbringing, and the fact that he was brought up in a culture where he was never given an opportunity to critically assess what his own beliefs were that made him on this path where he's a scientist that believes the world's only, you know, 6,000 years old. Like, I get that. What's unfortunate is the unwillingness to at least even be open to the possibility that he's wrong. Yeah. Because an absolute position, being 100% absolutely confident about anything, is for me... Typically, the number one sign that I really don't know what I'm talking about. Love it. Yeah, I think there's a love it. 
that's one of the reasons why I, I don't I try not to I try to avoid the atheist title as much as I can and go simply with agnostic atheism because while I believe the state of the world points me to believe there's no God, believing anything with a hundred percent certainty is just is is insanity. Yeah. Even Oh that's um, interesting. Even Richard Dawkins had the Dawkins scale and put himself at like uh was it five point nine out of six? Oh really? 6, 6. I didn't 6. know 9 that. Five point nine out of seven. Yeah, yeah he says <laughs> nobody can be absolutely certain. Uh but then I think we're uh we're, we're uh, as we usually do. We confuse knowledge with belief. Uh, you can say, "I don't know if there's a God or not," you know, but that doesn't say whether you believe sure. there's a God or not. I don't know if there's God somewhere, but I don't believe in any. So I'm an agnostic atheist, right? Uh, addressing both positions. So I'm a little bit on the opposite side of that spectrum. I'm totally happy with the atheist slope um, as a label, yeah, and I, I'm a, I'm aware that it's a bit of an uphill battle. But like, if people asking what I believe. I, I'm happy to tell them I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to tell them, you know, I don't believe in a God. I tell them typically, I typically format in the sense of, well, I don't know if there's a God or not. And I also don't believe in a God, so that makes me an atheist. Right. Like, typically those three things come out at once. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, well, they never follow that up with, well, that means you don't believe. Yeah. Because I got, I got, I got, I got yeah. routes for that. Yeah, they, they, uh, they generally you want to fight you on that. The first time I ever actually told somebody that wasn't a member of my family, that I was an atheist, the immediate response I got back was, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever gotten the, does that mean you're a Satanist? I've gotten that one before, no, which makes no, no sense to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's but I do think it's important, to lead, it's important to lead by an example. Like you said, I, I, I don't have a mean bone in my body. Like, well... I do have other emotions. <laughs> I do tend to have like a really positive outlook. Okay, well tell me. Tell me. I work really hard. What makes you? What it makes you angry? You never did tell me uh, what makes you angry about religion. Oh, I, I just told you like uh, having working with people who are closed-minded and operating underneath a cognitive dissonance. Oh, okay, okay. Got it. all right, got it. But otherwise, um, by having a really positive outlook, by being friends with a lot of people who know that I'm an atheist, uh-huh. I feel like that does more for the label than it does a really thorough explanation every single time someone asks me. Because then when someone says, this guy's an atheist, they'll think instead of just as the label, they'll put a face on it. They'll be like, well, Tyler's an atheist, and he's not that bad. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something more to it. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that think that they hate atheists, but they've never met one. Right. They don't know any atheists. And I'm happy to put a face with with the label because I'm a nice guy. I can tell you something else, too. There's a lot of people I have conversations with who are atheists but just don't like the label. And as yeah. a mm-hmm. result, that's the startling majority of the people that I've talked to so far uh-huh. in Lexington, Kentucky, like in the heart of Kentucky. That's that tends to be the most people I, I talk to. People who will flat out tell me, I don't believe in a God. Or, I think religion is actually mm-hmm. kind of like not that good. I'm actually not for it. But are you serious? She's like, no, I don't believe in any of that. Do you take leaps of faith ever? No, no, no. I like to test my beliefs. You consider yourself an atheist? I don't like that term. That yeah. term means it just carries so much weight. Like well, like, who put the weight on oh, it? Yeah, it was. I mean, us avoiding that term is placating the very people that painted it black to begin with. Good point. And, and exactly, we've That's got to I'm bring it back. It back we, we, it's a perfectly I'm good word and very back. descriptive, and it doesn't have that anything to do Let's with go. good or bad. <laughs> it's whether or not you believe in supernatural beings or not. Understood. Right? Especially a god type being. Yeah, and that, that's 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 one of the reasons I avoid it, or at least the reason I feel like I avoid it. I feel like I have a pretty high tolerance for abuse, just being an atheist from a you know Christian household, dealing with all the stuff I have right. over the last uh-huh. couple of years. But you know, when you start a conversation with somebody with, oh, I'm an atheist, a lot of the times it's an immediate turnoff, uh, and that's something we've got to fight against. I fully agree with you on that. Yeah. 
I say don't placate into the fear. Don't placate into the shame. Just right. say what well you said. are. Let them come to the conclusion. But mm-hmm. be willing to maybe explain yourself a little bit ahead of time before you drop the label. Understood. Because labels that are loaded take more work to get off. So if yeah. you start with, by the way, I'm not religious or I'm not into that and blah, 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 blah. After maybe later on in the conversation, you'd be like, well, I talked with my other atheist friend and we all go to blah, blah, blah. You're throwing out the term. Make sure they're comfortable with it, but make sure you like define what you mean with it before you maybe throw it out, just so that way they're comfortable. You'll find that a lot of people who say they're a Christian won't be the same thing as the next person who says they're a Christian. And that term means basically nothing, because there'll be people who believe in evolution who call themselves Christian, people who believe in gay rights who call themselves Christian, and people who don't believe in either of those things who still call themselves Christian. But they have the label because that label means something to them. We should make that label mean something to us. Right. We should try to make and the effort to say, what, hey, this is what it means when we say this. Right. And, and then live by those examples. The atheist experience right. out of Austin, Texas, one of their planks is to promote positive atheism. And by positive, uh, they mean the fact that it's not a negative thing. That it, it right. you know, that atheists do good works. They have organizations that give to charity and perform uh, beneficial uh, functions for the for the society that they're in, the community, and they want to be recognized for it. Uh, what happened a few years ago? What was it? Uh, there was an atheist organization that gave like twenty five thousand dollars to this. Uh, uh, church that was actually putting together a lot of money for um, flood relief. Okay, got it. And the church, or the religious organization, refused the money. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. Not only that, but there was another atheist who said, uh, if you accept this money, I'll double it. You know, I'll match it. And they still didn't. That's insane. Well, finally, the negative news came down on them so hard that they finally turned around and and reneged on their, their... Wow. And they finally did take it, and the money went to to do good use. But that's the kind of thing we're fighting. That's the kind of thing we're up against in American society. Just, you know, the denigration of the word atheist. And it's hard to fight something that's been around and being tarred and feathered uh, for thousands of years. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Um, You're not joking when you say it's kind of a legal. It's a it's a acceptable form of discrimination yeah. in society. Right. You know, one of the things that, that that Atheist Society oh. of Knoxville and the Rationalists of East Tennessee did. Um, actually, I believe it's more Rationalists of East Tennessee. Uh, about two years ago, when I was president of RET, we put up a billboard, and all it said is, is "If you don't believe in God, I remember it. You're not alone." And you would not believe the flack oh, I we got over that. I mean, not only from local people, but from the news organizations and the, and the Facebook pages and all kinds of flack. And all we were doing was saying, hey, here we are. If you don't, if you think the way we do, join us. Yeah. That was all we were saying. But we still got, um, you know, plastered. Yeah. I know? remember the media was painting it as, look, they put this next to a church because wasn't it like, how can you not put yeah, it next to a church in, in, in the Bible belt? I remember that very clearly. Yeah. yeah. What's funny was that they made us move it. Did they and, really? And the, we, it was up one week. The property owner, not the store owner, that was that yeah. was on the property of the store, not the store owner, but the property owner said, "You got to move it." And we then we moved it down the road. And what's funny was it was just outside when we put it back up again. It was just outside the Bearden Elementary School. Oh wow! <laughs> so okay, we moved it from your church. We yeah, put no. it over here by all the children. <laughs> so, Can I throw out a counterpoint real quick? Sure. Um, I think. And are, are atheists being victimized and, like, not trusted by society, typically at large? Yes. I think it's objectively demonstrable 
that from statistics that we have seen from most trusted groups that mm-hmm. we're very, very low on the list. Yeah. But we need to take a play from civil rights movement, mm-hmm. particularly coming from a black guy. Yeah. Uh, when when people say, hey, you're black or blah, 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 you don't take that as like a, a form of shame and hide inside your home right. and just let you right. know other groups just sure. take the jobs. Yeah. Where, where representation. Yeah. Right. You uh, take yeah. to the street, you, you represent, and you also show that you're good people in society, good right. people at work. Mm-hmm. You do better. You do better work. You work twice as hard to get to the same place, and you do it better with a smile on your face. You work harder. You make people wish they were you. You become uh, your own label. You right. control dialogue of how people talk about atheists. Not other people, but you. And if you feel a certain way and you're impassioned enough, you have absolute control to manage that kind of conversation. And that's what I'm urging most atheists to do. If you have that opportunity, don't sit back and wait. Get out there, try to be, start with your own club. Start making a club if you don't have one. Right. And try maybe putting on a microphone or asking people questions with a notepad. Get in people's, you know, places and live a positive life, most importantly. Doing all those things at once will really change the dynamic. I want to throw one last thing before, I, but my last point. Um, we, we, like I said, we are being, you know, victimized. We are kind of like the underdogs, but there's also no better time than right now to start making that kind of drive because every single kid in the world has access to a supercomputer that has connection right. to all the database mm-hmm. of all human information yep. known to man, and their parents can raise them any way they want, but it only takes a few thumb splits for them to get access to actual information mm-hmm. that can tell them right. whether their parents are telling the right thing or not. Right. Everybody, We've never had that before. Everybody has a, like a four-inch doorway to reality if they <laughs> use, like, exactly. use it for that. And, I, and we can't denounce that, or we can't say that that's not a big deal. That's huge, and that's why we're going to be the largest growing group, mm-hmm. continued largest growing group, uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So let's continue to live a positive lifestyle. So that way there's something positive for those guys to jump into. Mm-hmm. Let's make that pioneering step now. Yeah, certainly. Well said. Last word, so we got about two minutes. Yeah, no, I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I really love what you're doing, Ty. I mean, do you have a website or anything that you're doing or you post your videos? Sure, if you want to, you could, I, I'm still getting everything set up, but I'm on Twitter at uh, hash or hashtag, I don't know what it is, at five minute chat, that's five, the number five, M-I-N-C-H-A-T. Great. And then I'll post my videos on YouTube, they're called Let's Chat, but if you search Street Epistemology, you'll get everyone's videos, mm-hmm. and I'll throw mine up there as well. I post a new video every Thursday. And I'm going to continue to do it, and we'll show some of the videos on the show as well. Maybe we can go through them. Fantastic, man. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll get my shameless plug in real quick, too, Larry, if we got time. Sure, um, I, I, while I'm usually atheism is kind of a side project for me, I focus a lot on politics. As I said, like, look, challenging the group, think the duopoly. So if you're interested in learning more about my site, too, recuro.org, R-E-C-U-R-O.org. Just want to get that out there and make sure people know about it. Thanks for having me on. Oh, sure. Happy to have you. Um, Thanks for having you, man. Yeah, yeah. man. Um, and from my point, I always make the point that don't worry about it. Everybody's going to somebody else's hell. You know, <laughs> the time to worry about it is when they prove that souls and hells and heavens are real. Until then, enjoy the only life you actually know that you're going to have. Love this it. one. Okay. And we'll see you next week. Say bye, Ty. Say bye, uh, Josh. Bye, Wombat. Have a great Wombat. <laughs> and see you next week. Bye.
Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply 